How many of you like to learn new words? I do every now and then. I like new words. Theopraxis. Fancy word, isn't it? Theopraxis. Uh, comes from two Greek words. What does theo mean? Theo in Greek is God. And she's also a member of this church. <laughs> Here she is. Praxis means practice. So theopraxis is God practice. You're God in your everyday life. God in our lives. Jesus was the ultimate theopraxis. He was Emmanuel. Does anybody remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. God in our midst. So theopraxis is God, what you do with God every day. God practice. God practical. Theology for life. What we do with God. And that's what I want to speak to you on tonight. And, and the outlines I handed out, um, I thought this was pretty neat with Augustine, or Augustine, however you prefer to say it. He said this about the Gospels written by Mark and Luke. Luke followed Paul around. Uh, He was a physician, and Luke interviewed uh, many of the apostles, disciples, uh, when he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And uh, two historical accounts of the life of Christ and the life of the early church. And the book of Acts is pretty much the life of the early church, but really the life of Paul. And so Luke wrote that, though he himself was not an apostle. And then you have the Gospel of Mark. Mark was the apostle Peter's scribe. And so Mark always attended where Peter went and many times wrote down what Peter had to say about the life of Christ. And so then it was asked of Mark if he would write that down as a history of the life of Christ. And so Mark then penned the Gospel of Mark, but basically it's Peter's Gospel. Okay? And so Augustine says this, The Holy Spirit willed to choose for the writing of the Gospel to, Mark and Luke, who were not even from those who made up the twelve, so that it might not be thought that the grace of evangelization had come only to the apostles and that in them the fountain of grace had dried up. I like that. In other words, what he's saying is God in his wisdom in compiling the holy scriptures of the New Testament not only just used the 12 apostles, but he chose Mark and Luke so that he would be a witness that, uh, as it says, the fountain of grace didn't dry up with the apostles. The reason I like that is because this fountain never runs dry. The fountain of grace poured through the apostles, it poured through Mark and Luke, it poured through their descendants, it poured through history and history, and guess where else it's supposed to pour, or who it's supposed to pour out of? Us. The fountain of grace has not dried up. And so if we would look at this fountain of grace, and we look at the gospel and the evangelization of the world, it's not to be dry. We're not to be dry. It's to be fully activated, fully flowing, and powerful. And it should be in our lives. And that's the theopraxis. That's the sense of God practice in our lives. God showing up every day in what we do and what we speak of. Now, let me show you in this outline a number of scriptures that shows the reaction of God showing up. See, when God shows up, when Jesus showed up, 
the response of most of the people was they were astonished. Uh, put it in our vernacular, they were blown away. They're just blown away. And the word for ekpleso in the Greek for astonished means to expel by a blow or to strike with panic, astonishment, or amazement. It has the sense of a gut punch. In other words, such amazement, it's jaw-dropping. You're like, what? Wow! Are you kidding me? And so, you might relate to that. Let me go right through these scriptures. Uh, uh, I'll, you can see the references. Matthew seven twenty-eight. The people were astonished at his preaching. Uh, Matthew thirteen fifty-four. Insomuch that they were astonished and said, "What is this?" Matthew nineteen twenty-five. The disciples heard it and they were amazed at what he said. Matthew twenty-two thirty-three. When the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Mark 1.22, they were astonished at his teaching. Mark 6.2, many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did he get these things from? Mark 7.37, they were beyond, uh, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, he does all things well. Mark 11.18, all the people were astonished at his teaching. Luke 2.48, when they saw him, they were astonished or amazed. Luke 4.32, they were amazed and astonished at his teaching. Luke 9.43, they were amazed at the mighty power of God. So it's not just like, well, that was, that was pretty good. I liked uh, what he had to say. This was jaw-dropping. What? We've never heard a man like this before. They said he does not teach like the scribes and the Pharisees, the professional speakers and orators of the day. They said he has a knowledge and a wisdom of God that we've never heard before. He speaks with authority. There was a Roman garrison that was going to arrest him, and they went to arrest him, and they didn't. And when they came back, they said, man, we never heard anybody talk like this. Let alone the miracles and the power of casting out demons, commanding them to move, commanding nature to be still, commanding the sky to stop blowing its wind and the sea to stop moving its waves and demons to shut up and get lost. But what he had to say in the revelation of God astonished everyone. Because, you see, their understanding of who God was was tarnished by the teachings of men. And God's Word came in the flesh. And when God's Word showed up in the flesh, He was revealing a character of God that no one had ever heard. And they were astonished by who God is in their midst. Not a story about God, not a, not a, a, a doctrine or a teaching, but God in their presence. Someone who was God, though they didn't recognize it, but knew the character of Father and spoke with authority. And any question or argument that came to him, he was able to simply go, no, I don't think so. And just speak truth that shattered all the lies. And people were angry. People wanted to kill him. And he'd walk right through the crowd. How many of you remember reading that in the Gospels? They pick up stones to stone him and kill him, and it says he walked through the crowd. They couldn't, because they were just awestruck at who he was and his presence. 
Now, did it stop with Jesus? No, it did not. Look at Acts chapter 13, 12. And when he saw, when uh, the, the leader in this situation saw what Paul had done, let me give you a little background, okay? Paul was trying to convince uh, one of the leaders, this, uh, Acts 13, this might be, I forget who it is. Uh, sorry, look it up. Uh, it might be Festus. I don't think it's Festus. That's later in the 20s. So anyways, he was going to convince someone, and this sorcerer came up, and, and Paul said, you know what? Stop just, uh, messing with what we're trying to accomplish for the gospel. And he said, you know what? You're not going to be able to see. And he made the man go blind. And everybody's going like, wow, this guy is powerful. But that's not what they were astonished at when he saw what was done and believed, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, this is Paul. He was his, the, the, the recipients of Paul's preaching were astonished at what God had done for mankind. They were astonished at what Paul was preaching about God, let alone seeing a miracle and seeing this amazing power. Paul had demonstrated the revelation knowledge of God right there. And that's what I want to speak to you about tonight. It's theopraxis, that this fountain of grace that flows out of us when we try to reach the lost. What I believe the evangelism for today is about is no longer simply the evangelism explosion or whatever form and those are those were great things whatever form of evangelism we've been using whatever form or model there is no greater evangelism that needs to take place in this day and hour that is basically the presence of god a, a theopraxis a, a, a an emmanuel god with us presentation of the lord uh, and i believe that's what god's calling us to not just memorize a few verses, tell them John 3.16, and even try to just appeal to an intellectual argument. That's all good. We do have to reason together. But I'm, I, I believe in this day and in this hour, reason is not enough power. Our ability to reason intellectually with people is not going to be enough. Should we not have a, a reasoned argument? No, we must have a reasoned argument. You must understand what you believe and why you believe it. But can I tell you, we've got to go another step forward. We have got to demolish and take captive the arguments because we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in high places. We need a presence of God in our evangelism. We need to understand that it is the Spirit of God that saves people, not our best argument. And we can find that, and you don't even have, you could have been saved for two hours, but under the anointing of God, speak to someone and that anointing touches their lives. And so, being blown away by the presence of God in our midst, Jesus taught all different people, and they were so amazed. I find it fascinating that Jesus could have the little kids come unto him, and at the same time he's loving on little kids, he's telling Pharisees that uh, you're in a mess of trouble. And he can set the kids down, and then he can preach, he can heal, he can teach. He's just the manifestation of God in their midst. And God is so multifaceted. And if we could begin to draw into that river of grace that needs to flow out of us, 
and, and we're trying to posture our arguments and be careful how we say things and all this, we need to move into a level of spirit-led evangelism. And I, and I want to share that with you tonight. I want to show you how. So I want to show you how to amaze people. And I'm not talking about flit, uh, f- uh, glamour and glitz, how to amaze people. I can recite 37 Bible verses right now. I'm not talking about that. You know? I know Jesus better than you know Jesus. I'm not talking about that. How to amaze people in the same word, that same Greek word, of people being astonished because they've run into you or asked you a question or talked to you. That same Holy Ghost astonishment, that whole sense of getting a belly punch by the Holy Ghost. I'm not telling you to punch anyone, okay? We must be very clear. (laughs) You're done with the talks? Oh, well, my pastor said I should punch you. (laughs) No, don't do that. It's the sense of that, how many of you have ever had that kind of an experience, a revelation from God where you're like, whoa, It's life-changing. You've had an encounter with the living God. It was more than information. It's something that the information penetrated your soul and renewed you in a way that you've never had before. That's revelation knowledge. Now, how do we do that with people? And when we reach them, number one, reveal God to people. We must first reveal God to people. Now, how do we bring that revelation Let's not be focused on sin. Let's be focused on God. Jesus, when he met with them, the lady at the well, he knew she had five husbands. She, he knew she's sleeping around. He knew all that. He was interested in revealing God to her. Right? We try to win people, and, and it's legitimate to try to help people understand they're sinners so that they will want a Savior. That is all legitimate. But, but you'll get there. A lot of times, if we could reveal God to them, God will let them know they're a sinner. So our first goal is to bring the presence of God into any situation we're in. Now, you just happen to be a carrier of the Lord. He happens to live in you, and he doesn't go away. At night, he doesn't say, okay, catch you in the morning. He abides here. This is his house. This is his abode. So when you enter into a room, the presence of God enters into that room. Not that you're God, but you're a carrier. And as you come into that room, you bring the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God. When you're in a conversation with someone, don't think about, I don't like this person because they're this or they're that. I don't like them because they have this argument against me. But come to them and and begin to intercede and say, Holy Spirit, I want to reveal you. How can I reveal your presence to these people? What can I say that is a revelation of you to them? And so let's reveal God first of all. That's our first assignment to amaze someone. How, How about just getting excited about God? And 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 they want to know who is God? And and you know. You could tell them some really cool stories of what God did. Now, they can't argue with that. And all you're doing is reflecting the glory of God. You're just shining. And they'll go, yeah, whatever. But you know what I've found is when you're sincere about who God is and you're revealing him, 
even though they may be against you, there's something about you that's like, all right, this is interesting. Now, here's the second one. Speak truth into their heart. We need to do it with love. But begin to intercede as to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you about them. All right? See, now, what a lot of times we do is we don't go into that prophetic mode. We go into our reasoning mode and our arguing mode. Right? All right, let me figure out how I can break his argument apart. And we get ready for dueling. And what you're doing, and again, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This stuff is necessary. It is very vital and very necessary that we reason with people and intellectually have a strong argument for them. That's the long route. And sometimes you have to take the long route. There's a quicker route to the heart. Speak prophetically. Find out what the Holy Spirit is saying about them. I have talked to people that we've had intellectual discussion on on evolution or creationism or sovereignty of God or this or that or why uh, Christians uh, uh, have an issue with uh, homosexuality or gay marriage, and we can stay on that topic. But what we want to do and what I want to do is as I'm talking to that person, I want to find the woundedness. I want to find what Jesus wants to touch in their lives. And the Holy Spirit will begin to, you know, you could begin to light on you and begin to say, you know what, find out why are they wounded? What happened to you? Where are you at? And, and it enters into their door and you can speak truth to that, not in a way of condemning, but begin to speak truth. I've had people who have criticized the church. They hate it for the hypocrisy. They're really upset with the uh, pastors that are cheating and people that are swindling. And it's like, yeah, God hates that too. What do you mean? And then I'll start talking. You know, it's interesting that you have this uh, sensibility to find that unjust, and that lines right up with Jesus. You know, you're agreeing right with the Lord. And now they're all of a sudden not against, but they're with him. And this is something that they've got to try to figure out with. But, but you are. You're, you're beginning to help speak truth to them and align it. I don't have to chase after your argument. I'm coming after you. And God wants to touch their lives. And you don't have to bring them to the sinner's prayer in your one meeting. Measure this out. If it's someone you work with, all right, work with them. Develop a relationship where you can speak into their lives. Because if, if you're always trying to get them to the one end of winning them to your team, they're not convinced yet. Now, don't back down on who you are and who Christ is and the need for salvation and the understanding that you're holding firm your line. But walk with, in grace with them. Keep speaking truth to them. And guess who they start coming back to when they have questions, right? Can I get a witness on that? How many of you experienced that? All right? That's that's theopraxis. That's God in your present situation. Now, here's the third one. Reveal God's will and plan. Well, how am I supposed to do that? I don't even know it. Yes, you do. You know God's will. And you know God's plan. It is God's will that 
All men should be saved. None should perish. Right? Okay, there you go. You know that. It is God's will to to, uh, destroy the works of the devil. Is that right? That's why Jesus came. It's God's will to bring life and life abundantly. You know God's will. It's God's will to set people free from their sins. Right? So you can speak these things to them. You can speak God's will. People want to know what God's will is. They would love to find out what God's will is. And you know it more than you think you know it. And we need to study it. And we need to learn it in the Word. And all of a sudden, you need to be the local expert on God's will. How many of you are Christians here tonight? Raise your hands. Any Christians? You are the experts on who God is in His character and nature in this world. Now go. Well, wait till I'm done. But that's the truth. No one else has this information on who God is. So we better get it right. We need to study. We need to present ourselves to God and improve. But you want to share with them what God's will is and then begin to reveal them uh, God's plan for their life. Well, I don't know what God's plan for their life is. Yes, you do. (laughs) You do know what God's will for their life is. God's will is that they would come to a knowledge of who he is. And that through a knowledge of Christ that the presence of God would begin to dwell in them. And God would begin to bless them in the sense of understanding what is true and what is false and begin to set their mind in order, break off anxiety, break off depression, break off guilt, forgive them of all the offenses they've ever... You know what the will of God is for their lives and who doesn't want that? God wants them to understand the very fruit of his nature, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? That's what they want. That's what God wants them to have. You know what the will is. This is going to amaze them. This is going to amaze them because they're going to be listening to you and they're going to be saying, well, why aren't you yelling at me or why aren't you condemning me or why aren't you doing this? I'm exposing you to the very character and nature of God. You see, here's the thing about Jesus that amazed all of them. He spoke with authority. Folks, we got to start speaking with authority. We're so wimpy in our approach about who Jesus is. Uh, We can be strong on certain things, but I want you to have confidence in who God is, what his will is, what his plan is. Begin to speak it into people's lives. Speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit. This is going to amaze people. And they're going to be jaw-dropping. How do I get this? Okay? So that's what we want to do. We want to start presenting the gospel in a way that amazes people. So we have to have two things to work with. Revelation. Breathing in the presence of God. Look in your outline. John 16, 13-15 says this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. All right? Now, who is this for, by the way? Who's Jesus speaking to? Speaking to the apostles, but in essence, he's speaking to every believer. Do you believe this? Or 
do you believe this was true for the first century church, but once we got the Bible, this is how he speaks to us only? No, because the Holy Spirit is a person who lives in us. Many denominations have asked him to be still, be quiet, only speak to me when I'm reading this. And he's happy to speak to you when you're reading this, but he's also very happy to speak to you always. We need to start turning that up. Would you begin to give permission for the Holy Spirit to speak to you while you're sleeping? Right? That's a good use of, that's a very good use of downtime. Do you know how many people God spoke to in dreams in this? Wow, okay. So, I mean, if, if GM can have a double shift, can't we? Holy Spirit, would you please begin speaking to me at work? Would you please begin speaking to me while I'm sleeping? Would you begin speaking to me while I'm witnessing? Would you begin speaking to me when I'm with friends, when I'm with families? Please begin speaking to me. We need revelation. He said the Holy Spirit's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to speak what he hears, and he's going to tell you what's to come. Now, the interesting thing about that is it's a present and future tense there. He's saying, I'm going to tell you right now what he hears. Do you think the Holy Spirit hears anything from Jesus right now? Yeah, Romans 8.26 says he groans, he knows the will of the Father. He knows the mind of God. Does he know it now? Or is this all past tense? You see, you've got to take these verses into the presence. He's going to reveal to you what he hears. And he's hearing things now. So he's speaking now things to us. He's not speaking Bible stories that are 2,000 years old. He's speaking application right now into our souls. And he's going to speak into what is to come. That's cool stuff. All right? What we've done in most of our Bible study is we've learned the past, and we keep going to the past, and we learn what the past is all about, and we have this sense that God did all this stuff in the past, and we live our lives under our ability and authority based on what God did in the past. And what I'm trying to show you tonight is that the Lord is saying He's going to show you the here and now and what is to come. And so let's keep going. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Do you understand what he's saying there? Actually, I don't think we can. (laughs) It's too vast. He said, all power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. And what he's saying is all that is of the Father's is mine. Because of what he did on the cross and rose from the dead and is seated to the right hand of God the Father and has given a name above every name, all authority, even the judgment of the earth, is in Jesus Christ. And so he says, it's all mine. So whatever is mine and whatever I am speaking, the Holy Spirit will now guide you in and show you. Okay? And so right now, presently, Jesus is making declaration. Jesus is speaking into your life, speaking into the people you're witnessing to with a very present, active word. And the Holy Spirit wants to guide you into that word. And he wants you to know that word. And its effect it'll have on your future. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit's supposed to do for us. That amazes me. And if we act in that, it'll amaze the people you're talking to. 
Now look at 1 Corinthians 2.10. God has revealed it by His Spirit, and the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. How many of you love it when God gives you a deep thing? I want a deep thing. I want something that blows me away. Something that just makes, oh my gosh. And it could be in all different ways, you know. It could be a sunset. You look at it and you see, you just begin to think on the deep things of God. It could be his love. How deep, immeasurable is this love that he has for me. How many of you have ever had an inkling of that? You've been overwhelmed by the love of God. You just, it's like, wow. The earth stops spinning for a second and it's just you and God and you're thinking, really? Wow. Do you know how hungry people are for that out there? You know what the best they have? The best they have is Hollywood. Special effects. Getting high. Getting drunk. That is the best they've got. Do you know that all their entertainment is an attempt to imitate what you have? And we keep it. And sometimes we think they got it better than us. They don't. Everything that they are in bondage to is a cheap imitation of the life that has been given to us. So we need to speak it. So we need a revelation of God. You see, when we want to speak and amaze them, Jesus was able to amaze the crowd because he knew the Father. He's the bosom. He's the heart of the Father. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He came from the heart of the Father. And so He knew the Father. So you and I, if we're going to amaze them at who God is, we have to have a revelation of God ourselves. And we have to bring that revelation into their life and into a present situation with them. Pray. Begin to ask people if you can pray for them. There is a, it seems to me, an opening up of people willing to take prayer. And so go ahead and pray for them. You'll be surprised. Uh, You might have not been able to say the smartest things or the best uh, argument with them. And then, you know, when it's all over, you say, you know what, could I pray for you? And what will happen is they'll go, yeah, go ahead and pray. And what they think is when you go home. And you go, no, right now. Then they're all freaked out. You don't, you don't have to close your eyes. Don't worry about it. Let me just pray for you. And now, now don't go, you know, speaking in tongues. and uh, They'll run. Just pray for a revelation of God. Jesus, reveal yourself. Powerful, powerful. Present Jesus to them. Show them him. Let him be revealed. And then the second thing we need to do in all of this is a discernment of man. This is what's going to help you. We have a revelation of God, the presence of God, the prophetic of God. We're speaking, we're thinking, we're hearing God for the moment. We're uh, wanting to present the Lord. We want them to hear God. We want them to see God. And then the second thing is we need to discern them. You have to discern their spirit. There are some people that are not in a place to want to hear it, see it, know it, or anything. Uh, Discern their heart. And and that's how much you press. Uh, Let me show you something in Mark chapter 6. We talk about being astonished. 
Mark chapter 6. Turn there with me, will you please? Mark chapter 6 says this, verse 1, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. All right, what was his hometown? Nazareth? Okay. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were what? Amazed. Same Greek word there. Awestruck. This is amazing. He revealed God to them like never before. Where did this man get these things from, they said? What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? Hey, wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And he's the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us too? And they took offense at him. (laughs) Fickle crowd, isn't it? They're amazed. And then through human reasoning, they become offended. Now, that happens all the time. People have experiences with God all the time. And they're overwhelmed by it. But then they reason and become offended again. How many of you know people that have seen miracles and then after a while just explain it away? Right? They just got to forget it, right? They even know the miracle in your life or your life, right? And, and they, they, this is a miracle. They know it, but then it's like, well, yeah, must have been a medical issue that, right? And then they become offended. Now, what else does he say? They were offended by him. Jesus said to them, only in his own hometown among the relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could, do no, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal them. And he was amazed. Same Greek word. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So jaw-dropping, punch-in-the-belly experience Jesus had was at the lack of faith of people. Isn't that interesting? Same word. He presents God to them in such an amazing way that they are moved. They reason it away and turn from Him, and He understands, He discerns where their heart is and knows that there is no value in ministering to them. And He is absolutely dumbfounded that they could turn that cold to God's presence. There are people like that out there. And you don't need to spin your wheels with folks like that. Move on. The harvest is ripe. There are many. Discern where they're at and understand how much time should I invest in this? Because there's other people over here that I could be ministering the presence of God to. There are some people that even in the presence of God want nothing to do with Him. This isn't some uh, great debate for you to finally break them and finally get them. Move on. There's souls out there. There's souls in them that are hills. Go for it. All right? So here are the keys to 
bringing the presence of God in our evangelism to make it effective and powerful. Number one, we need a revelation of God. We need to hear the revelation of the Lord as we're ministering, talking. Look at, just because I say the word evangelism doesn't mean you have to pull out a track or you have to take them through this or you have to take, you're going to meet people in the store at Walmart or at Myers or on the street or at the mailbox when you're both mailing things and don't try and weave your way into a conversation of what you can do. Just present God in the flesh to them. Do you know what I mean? We try to work so many angles. And sometimes by our our human effort to work all those angles, we're not presenting the very presence of God. It may be a brief encounter. It may be a God bless you. But the presence of God is there. And if it can begin to open up a door and you're discerning, then go for it. If you can present the gospel to them, go for it. If you can lead them to Christ, go for it. I'm not negating any of that. But what I'm saying is if you just get into some kind of rote routine. Do you know that God healed people who were not saved? Well, why would he do that? Because he just loves people. He loves people. He loves everyone. We're not a failure if we didn't uh, get them into the place of accepting Christ. We show up bearing Christ in all things. Then discern where their heart's at. Discern what you can minister, how you can minister, so that you may amaze them with the person of Jesus that lives in you. Let's bow our heads. I want to be a spirit-led church.